1: Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. Oh man, is this ever the early frontrunner for the end of year series that you look back on and you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, just say, is it going to matter? You hope not. Is it going to hurt them? You really hope not. Are they going to win these next two sweep the doubleheader against the Chicago White Sox? You really hope so, but... Horrible offensive performance in the first game. Almost got no hit. Aaron Judge officially placed on the I.L. Nestor Cortez officially placed on the I.L. Esteban Floreal bypassed in favor of Billy McKinney. Smog during the first game. Smog yesterday. Canceled games because of the smog. Doubleheader today. Still smog. Less smog. Uh, but it's not really it's only been one loss they have barely played baseball this week but it's not really a very fun time to be a fan of the New York Yankees they still don't really have an outfield made up of outfielders but we move on we finally learned what's up with Aaron Judge's toe it's a contusion and sprain is that better than a broken toe or worse some of the quotes are bad but the timetables are actually pretty okay We'll break it down as best we can, whether the Yankees can or cannot survive. Even without Harrison Bader available, we still get a quarter outfielder in Billy McKinney. This team hates Estevan Floreal. The Dodgers finally agreed to take a look at the cement block in right field after an injured Aaron Judge. Thanks. Maybe too little, too late there. We'll break down the terrifying smog delay, as well as Ken Rosenthal reigniting the volpe Peraza debate at a weird time. And Alec Manoa getting demoted all the way to Rookie League Baseball. But if you like all those topics and more, please join us on the YouTube stream 2 o'clock Eastern every single Monday and Thursday, unless it's a holiday. Then we'll move things around a little bit. And find the audio feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thomas Carinante, thanks for joining per usual. And you're going to kick it off with an offer for the fans.
2: Oh, yeah. We're back to DraftKings, everybody. A little bit of a uh, carousel of um, betting partners here. Um, today, this one's for everybody. It's not just for Yankees fans. It's for everybody who listens. I'm sure there's some Alec Manoa fans tuning in today, maybe some White Sox fans. Who knows? But um, we got a great deal for you. Um, if you have not yet signed up for DraftKings, you could take Advantage of a limited time promo through this weekend for new users. All you have to do is deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport. You will instantly get $150 added to your account in bonus bets. Win or lose, pretty good deal. Um, could bet on who is like the worst team right now. Um, I don't even know, but you could bet on them. And if they lose, it doesn't matter. You're still making money. Easiest deal there is out there. All you have to do is at sign up, punch in the code YANKSCOYARD. Name of the podcast, name of the website, you know who we are. Um, and using that code again, yard not only gets you the bonus, but it supports us, the podcast. You like listening to us, right? You have fun. And if you don't have fun all the time, you definitely have fun some of the time. So, like fun to part-time fun. It's good. If you haven't yet signed up for DraftKings, please do us a solid. Head on over to DraftKings.com or download the DraftKings app, punch in the code yard at sign up and place that first bet. Deals like this are will keep our podcast going year-round, and we appreciate the support. Love you guys. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Um, yeah, here we are, doubleheader against the White Sox today. Still happening despite the wildfire smoke that's blanketing. New York and it's and again. still it's still
1: bad by the way like it's it's not so I, I'm not shocked they're playing today Aaron Boone says the games are on they better mm-hmm. be because they start mm-hmm. in two hours um they played already through this these conditions like they, they played Monday they, they played Tuesday's game I was there so I'm well aware that they played Tuesday's game in a layer of smog that started at like the 150 level everyone in New York now an expert on fires yes. and air quality Um, It was like 150-ish when the game started. It was like 220-ish by end of game. 300 is like dangerously unhealthy. So it wasn't that good. It wasn't that smart to play Tuesday night's game either. But then yesterday, it was like 380 to 500 the whole day. So it was a whole different level of smog eating. Now today, we're back in the 150 range or whatever. I'm not surprised they're playing, especially since they already played through this two days ago. I am surprised that they expect these people to play a doubleheader. In the smog. We're going to Anthony Rizzo going to play two games today in the mm. smog. Pro- probably not. Right. Like uh, if you've ever thought about resting people in both halves of a doubleheader, that should go doubly uh, with. There's still about like hundred. It's a, it's a 150. It's a 160. And so I think the Red Sox games are probably safe for sure. This weekend uh, at one point yesterday, I was like, why don't you move those to Fenway? And then next weekend when we're supposed to go to Fenway, well, they come here. You're probably not smoking them. Fenway right now. There probably is honestly going to be smoke at Fenway this weekend and not so much here. So I think we're probably going to be correct to keep them here. I'm not surprised they're playing today at all because they already played through this on Tuesday. But we're we're really going to make these people play two games today. They should be giving them 29th and 30th men to fill out out this doubleheader roster.
2: You know what's crazy about this is that there are are cities throughout the world that live in the pet air quality every day. Toronto and New York City are typically outside of the top 3000 in terms of I guess you know rankings of poor air quality to best so they are a- outside the 3000 means you're pretty good this week for the first time I don't know and how long they were in the top 5 and it was only for a brief amount of time there are cities that live in the unhealthy range all the time and I don't know if I guess I mean are they playing sports? Are they hanging out outside? Pretty dangerous, pretty, you know, science pod, environmental pod. Now you guys know, uh, appreciate you want to laugh at New York for smelling like garbage. Well, uh, the air is fairly healthy when there's not a natural disaster, I guess. So, um, yeah, very concerning that, um, you don't really know what's going to happen because, you know, I was outside yesterday. It's, uh, it doesn't kill you, but it certainly affects you. Your eyes start to water after an amount of time. You're coughing a little bit. Um, it's a little bit difficult to breathe if you're out there for you know over an hour. So um, the fact that they played this game on Tuesday was pretty concerning when you saw the sky and everything like that. But yeah, hopefully this gets sorted out soon because there was another. I think uh, Phillies and Tigers got postponed yesterday, and wasn't there another one?
1: The Nats got postponed today. Yeah. The Nats and Diamondbacks. I mean, it's now it's moving. So it's as yeah. bad in DC today as it was here yesterday. Um, when they were like flirting with playing yesterday, it was truly like, are you guys kidding me? Like what, <laughs> what? and then you do get the people commenting, like it's just smog or whatever. It's like, all right, well, I mean they cancel these games for rain. Like, you, do you say it's just rain when it's wet? No. You know, bag a game for smog on a kid. They're gonna finish, they're gonna play two today. So there's not even a logistical rescheduling nightmare. There's no nightmare. You didn't play a baseball game yesterday. You play one uh, in the afternoon today and one in the evening. It is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know why that yesterday they, they didn't play the game, right? Willie Calhoun's like, my head hurts. So it's like, okay, obviously this is having an effect on people. They still make Carlos Rodon throw a bullpen session yesterday, a live session on the mound.
2: Well, Just the like, slog's not going to hurt it. his back, so –
1: The smog is gonna. I mean, yeah, it's a really smart thing to Carlos Rodon is is come out as chronically injured this year. Like he's got an injured back. You keep uncovering new areas in which Carlos Rodon is injured. Probably a good job, a good day to experiment with him and a good pitcher to experiment with his body. Just saying like, hey, I wonder if his lungs are good. Let's leave that up to him. Let's not ask a doctor. Let's just ask Carlos if he wants to go throw in the smog. Oh, he does. Great. Send him out there. No need to uh, take any precautions with. Arguably the most important pitcher on this team. He's already experienced several different maladies this year. So it, it appears he is two live sessions away from a rehab stint. That's mm. awesome. Uh, I still probably wouldn't have made him throw in wildfire smog yesterday. Or uh, do we not have an indoor uh, bullpen? Did, did Hal Steinbrenner not build one of those? It seems like something you might want to build. Sometimes it rains. Sometimes there's a fire smog. It, it's just a thought. It's a valid thought.
2: Um, glad he got on the mound I don't I didn't read that much I don't know if he looked good but the fact that he's doing stuff and there's no issue up until this point or so we know because the last bullpen session that he did he the back issue uh, barked and he had to end it early and then that's when they immediately had the press conference said it was a chronic issue or said that there was another problem then they had a test run and that was a chronic issue so I mean look I don't know I don't know there's uh there's all this oscillating injury news. You get the good news. You get Donaldson. I mean, is that good news? Donaldson coming back has been fine. Uh, you get yeah. Stanton back. You get Tommy Canley back. And then uh, Ryan Weber hits the 60-day IL and has an elbow issue. And Aaron Judge kicks his toe into us. A... the damage that Aaron Judge caused. Holy shit. Do, like, can we talk about this? If you saw the pictures from L.A., I know obviously we talked about this on Monday. But there is a – The Dodgers are the second richest franchise in the sport. They have one of the most powerful ownership groups because it's not just, you know, some of these teams is just one guy, one billionaire running the show. And there is a lack of perspective and a lack of opinion that maybe doesn't drive as much um, financial, aggressive financial decision making that you would like. The Dodgers have a large ownership group. So that's kind of helped them. I guess, spur the different ideas that they've had for rosters and, and and all these cool things that they do. They have a great ballpark experience, everything like that. They signed Mookie Betts to a 12-year extension three years ago. They didn't think to fix the right field fence. It's a chain-link fence. Is this a playground? Not only is it a chain-link fence, you have exposed concrete on the bottom. The only other team that had had that, at least based on what Ken Rosenthal reported uh, yesterday or two days ago, was the Miami Marlins, which you can expect that from them. And they made the change because Jazz Chisholm uh, had the same thing. He was fielding a fly ball in center field, and he stubbed his toe into the concrete on May 13th, and he hasn't played in the game since. And then they put the padding on to obviously avoid that. But absolutely crazy to me that I'm not blaming the Dodgers for this happening to Aaron Judge. It could happen to anybody. It could happen to the $365 million player they've had for the last three years who's mostly been playing right field. Could have Could have uh, could have hurt James Outman. Could have hurt Cody Bellinger. Could have hurt you know any Chris Taylor, valuable player for them, not you know delivering exactly upon expectations, but versatile guy, vet, valuable veteran. Like any of those guys could get hurt. Not only did Aaron Judge stub his toe and injure his toe, he literally dented and broke. He dented the fence and broke the wall. And I know Aaron Judge is a giant guy. He's six foot seven. He's two hundred eighty two pounds. He might as well be you know he might as well be Rob Gronkowski, but. Um, You know, anybody running with that force with an athletic build could probably do that. Um, Personally, outside of blaming the Dodgers for not upgrading it, I'm going to blame J.D. Martinez's trajectory on his line drive because I'm sick of that guy. Sick of him. But yeah, this is a pretty egregious. um, Did it really have to take, you know, arguably the game's biggest star getting injured for the Dodgers to make amends here? Yeah. It's they have the highest attendance in baseball. It's literally the highest attendance in baseball for the past, uh, I think, 11 years Um, since 2013, they've had the highest attendance and you take out 2020 because that didn't count. Um, But uh, they were one of the few teams that made it. They were one of two teams that made a deep playoff run that, that year and probably got revenue from the fans who were at Globe life park for those last two, two or three series of the season. Um, I don't understand how that you, you go that long without, making alterations to of, it, it seems like an archaic build for a legendary stadium. You know, these legend it, Dodger stadiums have been open for what? 60 something years, 65 years, <clears throat> That's probably an easy thing to upgrade, but you know, now it's, now it's my fucking problem. Thank you.
1: It'd be great if we could just get a little break. Be great. Uh, again, <laughs> you, you lose, you lose Donaldson and, and stand for so long. They both come back, Stanton and judge play one game together. And it's not like Aaron judge injures himself on, uh you know, some freak, I mean, this is the definition of a freak accident, but it's not like he even gets stepped on or it's not like a bad hustle. Like Stanton hurt himself not hustling on a home run and then he had to pick it up going to second because it actually wasn't a home run. And that's how he hurt himself. So Stanton got punished for loafing (laughs) out of the box and then trying to, you know, speed himself up and then he got hurt. Judge basically has – so what do you want from Judge? Do you want him to not make this catch? Do you want him to not go all out and make this catch, uh, which would have resulted in J.D. Martinez on second, 5-4, nobody on the eighth. In a game where you held a 5-1 lead at Dodger Stadium in the seventh, you're about to lose this baseball game. Aaron Judge doesn't make this catch. You probably lose this baseball game. Or uh, so. do you want to sacrifice that win? Do you want to say, hey, don't make the catch. Yankees, go choke this game away because uh, that will save Aaron Judge from being on the IL for – is that Are even an, an argument? Four, five. No, I don't that? know. I'm, I'm just saying, oh. like, you're stuck in this. So what do you want to do? Like you, you want the Yankees to go full effort and try to win baseball games? You want them to lay up, lose baseball games so that Aaron Judge doesn't get hurt. Uh it's all this we we never have uh it's always a terrible decision for us, right? We never it's never just easy. It's never like Aaron Judge plays the whole season. He goes max effort, he plays great, the Yankees win stuff. It's always a trade-off. It's like, uh, Mike talkman has gone, Stanton's back. Stanton's gone, Cameron Mabin's back. Like, it's the whole 2019 season all over again. It's like, somebody's going to be here, somebody's going to be gone when they come back. And uh, it's never, it's never, ba- it's, it's, it's too balanced. It's never tilted in our favor. You nice know, to have it tilted in our favor for a little bit. We've assembled a roster that's supposed to be out here competing, and we never get to see it because of dumb little weird breaks the game like it. this. Aaron Judge's toe uh, is a big problem. Uh, they are 126 and 76 since the start of 2022. When he starts, they are 9 and 13 with 3.3 runs per game and a minus 10 run differential when he doesn't play. He's not going to be playing for a while. I honestly can't figure out. I told everybody this on the last show. Everybody laughing about his toe. It's not a big deal. It's a toe. We're like less than a year removed from DJ LeMay, You having a fracture in his toe that ended his season. Because he couldn't hit for power, and they tried to bring him back for the playoffs. And when he came back, he was like, eh, I still suck. Then in the offseason, didn't need surgery, apparently. But if you had, it would have been a four- to six-month timetable. They appear to be aligned. The judge doesn't need surgery. But you compare him to the Jazz Chisholm injury, that is four to six weeks for that turf toe to resolve itself. Chisholm is getting positive reports now. That injury was May 13th. This is June 8th. He's about to start baseball activities that's going to be another couple of weeks and a rehab assignment, et cetera. It could be a month and a half. What we heard from an independent doctor, Spencer Stein from NYU Langone health. Love that guy. Oh
0: yeah. Um, I love those guys. Was
1: athletic. Yeah. Great. NYU Langone. Great. I love saying Langone and I'm going to keep saying it. It was uh, a guy. Yeah. He, he hasn't seen judges x-rays or the MRI. He's not looking at judge. He isn't treating him. They made that very clear. He said that the fact that Judge received a PRP injection, which he did, is a good sign because, quote, it normally means a patient has a low-grade injury and not a complete tear of a ligament that's in need of treatment. And the low-grade injury here, it would be uh, a, no activity for a week or two, one to two weeks, and then uh, another one to two weeks of ramp it back up to 100% health. So that would say Judge returns in three to four weeks. They don't want to put a timeline it Aaron Boone didn't want to put a timeline on it when he spoke today. And that's grand. They're obviously going to be very careful with judge and they're going to hope that they're able to kind of tread water for the next two weeks so that they don't need to rush him back. So he can make his grand debut in the all-star game or after the all-star break, which is again, just a month from now. And I hope that's all true, but it's judges pivot foot. It's the right foot. It's the same thing that supplies power to DJ Lemayhew. Um, And this doctor who doesn't know judges scans is like, it's good. They gave him a PRP injection. That means it's probably mild. Uh, That's great. When is the Yankees training staff made the right decision on what's a good time to give people a PRP injection or not? The odds, in my opinion, are equally. They're the same odds that they did this right. And it is mild. And they were right to give him a PRP injection and that they did it wrong. It's more than mild. There's a lot of swelling. And they just went, "Uh, give him a PRP injection. Make him feel better. I don't know. Like, there's definitely a chance that they gave him the wrong injection, right? So uh judge reported before he went on the IL that the swelling was down. Boone said the swelling was down, but all the quotes today are like, it hurts a lot. We have to wait for the swelling. Like, it sounds like the swelling is still significantly up. Um, I don't know. What if they gave I'm, him toe steroids and
2: he gets suspended for 80 games,
1: they're probably gonna give him toe sticky stuff and Domingo Herman's gonna get suspended for 50 games. <laughs> I don't know. I just I, can tell. I, you have to be confident. I, if you're listening to a doctor tell you it's mild and Judge isn't putting a boot on, you just know Judge wouldn't go to the IL unless he had to. And yeah. we just watched somebody miss six weeks from this. And we just watched DJ LeMayhu never ever come back after suffering something that apparently was a different injury. It's a sesamoid fracture. Judge reportedly does not have that, but I'm also not gonna buy that he doesn't have that just yet because they didn't think LeMayhew had that, and then he did. So yeah. I, I don't know.
2: Yeah. I don't know either. I, I guess I look, they're not being um, they're not being as vague as they usually are. So I guess that's a good sign. Um, There's been a decent turnaround on this. And uh, I don't, I think they took the right, the the only thing I was confused about was why he didn't get testing done in LA when it happened on Saturday. And you were Mm -hmm. there for all of, you were there for all of Sunday because it was Sunday night baseball. It wasn't an early game. And then you were catching a flight. So like the turnaround there might've been problematic. They were there all day. So he could have got testing done that night, had the results by the next morning. And then the Yankees probably could have made a decision. I don't know. There's, these are always just a little bit more lengthy than you want them to be. And I don't know what that's about. Um, But yeah, it would be great one time if the medical staff made a, made a a correct decision. Um, I don't know anything about medical stuff, so I can't be that critical, but no, there's always a lot of problems here. And uh, regardless of if you're in the know of this type of information, um, a lot of problems means a lot of problems. And that usually means someone's not doing their job or someone's not great at their job, or there's maybe too many uh, chefs in the kitchen, cooks in the kitchen, whatever you wanna say, and there's too many opinions. So I don't know. Either way, I like the way that this is trending because usually it's a little bit more ominous this time around. It's a little bit more clear um, in terms of them surviving without him. If it's four weeks, man, that sucks. You're missing two Red Sox series. Uh, Of course course you are. Of course you are, by the way. But look,
1: of course you are.
2: Look, look, look. I know Yankees Red Sox series never really flame out. Um, It's not like many of the other rivalries out there. It's one team levels up if they suck to play the other one. And that's why it's so great. But man, this Red Sox scene sucks. The starting rotation is awful. And the Yankees have been hitting. Um, I know they didn't completely get through Judge's absence last time unscathed. I think they went like three and six or four and five or something like that. And they did have Harrison Bader, but they also didn't have Giancarlo Stanton. They also didn't have Donaldson. And they also didn't have other guys. Um, who were, you know, kind of getting more acclimated to the lineup and things like that because it was late April. So now you have another month and a half under your belt for all these other guys trying to log some reps. Um, I'm not pessimistic yet. I'm not. You want to – everyone wants to keep citing the Rays division lead. The Rays – I'm sorry every other team doesn't fucking play when they come to play the Rays. That, I think, is just something I want to get off my chest early on here. Nobody plays baseball when they play the Rays. Nobody does. The twins scoring what? Two runs in two games. What? Last night it was two-one. They ground into a double play in the ninth inning with bases loaded and one out. Um, the night before that, I don't. It was, it was some other ridiculous occurrence. Um, they don't lose at home. You know, like the Dodgers went there after beating the hell out of the Braves in Atlanta, and then they were a completely different team when they stepped fucking foot in Tropicana Field. So like the Rays winning, yes, commendable. They don't lose at home. So there's nothing we can do about that. The Yankees are 10 games over 500. They've been doing a great job for everything that, they, that they've dealt with. If you want to keep having these exhausting conversations about Brian Cashman's roster construction of injury prone players, that's fine and great. We're going to just keep having that every day then. We got to work with what we have at the moment. That is a sad reality that we deal with. Talking about it every day is not going to change it. These guys are locked into contracts at the moment. This is our life. So the fact that 10 games over 500 at this point with the schedule getting easier with everything that we've dealt with, I'm chalking it up as a win. And I don't know if that makes me a loser, but I refuse to think that it does.
1: Well, it is funny that like there, they are 10 games over 500. Their high watermark is 11. They lose the first game of the series and everybody's kind of like, Oh no, I'm not to feeling a good to Yankees. Yankees To a good pitcher who almost threw a no hitter. It is he what does. it is. He's very good. Um, but right. They lose that one game. They go from 11 over to 10 over. And then it's like, Oh no, not oh, feeling no. good about the Yankees. It's like, are you, are you being real though? Or are you, are you being actually real? Like if, if they were to maintain a 500 pace, With Aaron Judge out, which is White Sox twice today, Red Sox at home over the weekend. Two days off next week because the schedule makers gave us a little break here. We play the Mets twice. We go to City Field twice next week, but that's it. Another weekend series at Fenway. Another day off. Mariners come to town. Rangers come to town. Day off. We go to Oakland. If they can just win one of the Mariners or Rangers series, go two out of three, and then go one out of three. a a three and three homestand there, take one of the Red Sox series, lose the other one, take both Mets games or split with the Mets. Like they're going to be 10 or 11 over at the end of this stretch. And I don't Mm -hmm. think anyone is going to be looking at this stretch being like, "Ah, that's a shame. Like the Yankees really had to go beast mode there. Like this is the dregs. No, these are all competent baseball teams plus the Red Sox and say what you will about them. Uh, They're they're They've been relentlessly 500 this year. You catch Brian Bale on the right day, he can shut you down. The Red Sox offense is pretty hot. They can do things to you. And they always play better when they play the Yankees. So if you could just get through the stretch 500, you'll be fine. My expectations are relatively low without Judge. But you're right, they are hitting. Uh, every, other guys are hitting. Jake Bauer stepped up the other day. Uh, you know, IKF has been on a tear, although not quite so much lately. And Donaldson and Stan are here now, and they were not before um i, I i'm uh, i'm thankful and the white Sox, by the way since like since the end of april or since mid-april or whatnot they're the only central team over 500 they're 20 and 14 i believe their record is is ghastly it's true um uh, i think it's since may 1st the stack came across my feed today um the white Sox have actually been totally uh not just competent but sort of excelling for a little bit we haven't really noticed because they started the year like 8 and 30 or whatever um, so losing to Lucas Giolito is not exactly something to be ashamed of, uh, and let's see if the Yankees come to play in either of these two games today with these funky splits quad lineups, and Luis Severino and Randy Vasquez on the mound. This is Today's lineup is patently insane. Willie Calhoun leading off Glaver, Rizzo, Stanton, Bowers, right. Lomayhew, Oswaldo at short, Billy McKinney in center, Kyle Higashioka catcher, but you know what? Those are the lineups that score 12 runs and win for no apparent reason. It is.
2: So let's talk about Billy McKinney. Sure. Uh, he's here. He was here in 2018 when he made his MLB debut. He was traded. He's been on five teams since. Now he's back. It was the corresponding move for Judge hitting the IL. Uh, it better work <laughs> because, uh, yeah, a little hot at AAA. Um, lefty bat obviously helps, but you're going to tell me that you entrust Billy McKinney more than you want to give someone like Estevan Florial or Francisco Cordero one last chance. If it's not now, when is it going to be? I don't think Billy McKinney is igniting this lineup. Um, when Aaron Judge is out, I guess I potentially could be wrong about that, but um, I don't foresee it. It's not unreasonable. I think Billy McKinney's appeared in like 250 MLB games, well below average player. Yeah. Um, the uh, it, we we Franchi Cordero's hot streak is over. We all know that, but I think he has. The amount of pop in his bat that you'd be comfortable with in the lineup, even if he's going 0 for 4 you know that he's got a chance to run into one. Floreal, athletic defender, worst-case scenario, you have somebody adequately covering center field in Harrison Bader's absence. Um, I don't know what the thinking is here. Uh, I don't know why the Yankees are just going to keep these guys at AAA and let them wither away if that's the case. Um especially because Billy McKinney's been here and it's, it hasn't really, it hasn't done anything for us. And he was on a multitude of he was on the Dodgers last year or two years ago. He was on the Mets last year, two years ago. Um, didn't Dude. really do anything. Yeah. yeah he, spent,
1: uh, he spent a ton of time with the, uh, with the Brewers, Mets and Dodgers two years ago, last year he was Aaron Hicks on the Oakland A's. He yeah. played 23 games and had a minus two OPS plus.
2: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was the move. I, I I don't feel great about it, but at the same time, um, I, it's not like Florial or Cordero would have made me feel exponentially better. It's just a little bit puzzling. Cordero would have felt lazy to me, just because I think
1: really? we've already I think we've right. already tapped out on the Cordero hot streak. My problem with Franchi too. I I know he can run into one, and I know that you might get lucky, and you might you might have a game that he just takes over, and then yes, he might again. Against the Red Sox could be fun. He might not hit for two weeks. I, I get it. Um, but with, right now, the outfielders on this team, Billy McKinney is now their only pure outfielder. They've got Willie Calhoun, who's basically a DH. They've got Jake Bowers playing left, who's a natural first baseman. They have IKF playing center, who is a third baseman, shortstop, second baseman. They they have Oswaldo Cabrera playing left field, who's a middle infielder. They, they literally don't have outfielders without Bader, without Judge. Uh, and they're not going to put Stanton out there. So I was advocating for Floreal over Franchi. I didn't even consider Billy McKinney to be an option. Now, shout out to Billy McKinney, who is hitting 274, OBPing 388, slugging 511 with a 127 WRC plus in 40 AAA games. Since April, it's been even better. 343, 494, 687, 1181 OPS in 21 games, more walks than strikeouts, 18 versus 15 and seven bombs. All of that is true. However, the track record of McKinney says he is the kind of guy who gets called up every single year and does not contribute any of those years. He went to three teams in 2021 for a reason. Floreal's track record that we've leaned so much on in evaluating him and saying he's not really a piece of this team's future. I still don't think he is. Right. He did come up and go three for 30. That wasn't a mirage. That did happen. But he's just as hot as McKinney AAA right now. He seems to be a better defender. He's certainly a more natural center fielder. We've thrown McKinney in center field today for whatever reason. This was, if Floreal's not getting this chance, he is never getting a chance on this team ever again. And and apparently they're dedicated to not pressing that button right now. I'm not going to stand on a soapbox and say he is the solution because I have seen a lot from him to know the swing and miss is still hefty. Uh, he hasn't exactly, per- it's not that he has provided limited value during his time. He's provided no value. He has done nothing when he has been entrusted with spots in, in the recent past in 21 and 22. Uh, but still, I thought this was a prime opportunity for him to get that last chance. It coincided with a hot streak and they looked at somebody else's hot streak and said, we prefer that hot streak. So Florida, I mean, Florial's is good as gone now.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know what his role would be if this is not it. The is completely decimated. You literally need outfield help. You need natural outfielders, and he didn't get the call. So uh, it's fine with me because I never really viewed Floreal as a piece. I uh, never really made that much of an impact. I know it's hard to make an impact with uh, scattered playing time like he was kind of introduced into the league for, but um, you know, life isn't fair as you grow, grow up to learn. Um, yeah, life's not fair. What else? Do, what what else? What else we have here? We have, are we st- are we still going to talk right field at Dodger Stadium, or I think we're good here.
1: No, we already talked about that. We, we talked about on. that. Move yeah, along.
2: fuck them.
1: Here, um, can I let me uh, let me read a promo for our friends? Yeah. Um, just while we're here, we're passing the thirty minute mark. If you're here, welcome. What's up, Yankees fans? What up, Yankees haters? Uh, we're still excited to share great news with you. If you have not signed up for DraftKings and you live in a state where betting is legal and you're physically present in those. Or you can get yourself to one. You got to be physically present. You can take advantage of a limited time promo through this weekend for new users. All you have to do is deposit, place a $5 or more wager on any sport. You will instantly get $150 added to your account in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, you'll still get the bonus. All you have to do is use the code YanksGoyard at sign up. And here's the thing. Using our code YanksGoyard not only gets you the bonus bet, but also supports the podcast. So wow. if you have not yet signed up for DraftKings... Please do us a solid sign up with the code YanksGoyard to place that first bet. Deals like this would keep our podcast going year round. I know it's not talking about Willie Calhoun. It's not analyzing Billy McKinney. It is deals like this. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legally gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And yeah, I was not uh, talking out my ass before it, uh, Chuck Garfine tweeted this earlier. Since April 30th, the White Sox are in first place in the Central at twenty and fourteen. Tigers are sixteen and seventeen. Twins are fifteen and nineteen. So are the Guards and the Royals are eleven and twenty three. So I mean, you look at the White Sox lineup, and it's not totally shocking. You are like, oh, that's a good. It's good hitters one through six. Like you're, you are you are going down it, and you are like, I can. Yeah, that makes sense. I I get that. That that tracks. The Liam Hendricks is back. Um, I watched. I was at Tuesday's game in the smog. Probably shouldn't have been. Watched the game with the White Sox wives, there in the nice. section uh, behind us, perfectly pleasant. I bowed to a White Sox wife on the way out after we took the L. She bowed back, gracious. Uh, I uh, think I wanted to. I don't know some Yankee fans. There are people behind us yelling at Liam Hendricks, calling him a bum, and it was like <laughs> hey, this third game back from uh, recent cancer. Like you might just want to edge You might just want to educate yourself on that type of shit. So I, I gave the White Sox wives love. Seemed like no drama. Um the White Sox are a pretty solid team and they're feeling themselves right now. And uh Aaron Boone apparently getting testy with the media right now Ooh. on timeline for judge, by the that's way. It. Uh quote, honestly, guys, with the timeline, we don't have the timeline. We don't know. You got a shot in his toe yesterday. I don't have any answer for you. When we do, we'll give you the best timeline we possibly can. No, you
0: won't.
2: No, you won't. You never do. <laughs> that's why we're asking, because you will not. Ah.
1: That's it. That's it, and that's all. Um should we talk about Peraza Volpe? I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, they're giving Volpe yeah. the half day off today. Um, this just got me This got me a little bit in sense yesterday because I don't think that this is an even trade-off. Um, Ken Rosenthal, for whatever reason, was talking to Dylan Lawson, who, by the way, never, ever get in front of anybody ever again. If they're taking quotes, Dylan Lawson, go the other way. Because Dylan Lawson <laughs> told Ken Rosenthal, uh, Volpe's hitting 200, yeah, but it's a professional mm. 200 which is the sequel to Dylan Lawson's last great quote. I don't give a shit about offensive statistics and where we rank on the leaderboard. You should. You should care where you rank on the offensive leaderboard if you are the hitting coach. And uh, I understand that in this modern era of baseball, 200 is acceptable in in certain facets. And by the way, Volpe, it's like the most acceptable 200. He is a rookie. He's getting his feet wet. He's hitting in the 190s. Nobody loves it. But as we've said on this podcast many times, One war he's among the Yankees offensive war leaders. He's played almost every single day, nine homers, 26 RBI and the stolen bases are impressive. And he's going to end up no matter what the average is hitting 18 to 25 home runs, probably hitting, uh, you know, knocking in 60 to 70 runs. Like at the end of the year, Volpe's contributions are going to look relatively impressive, even if he doesn't step it up. And even if the triple slash doesn't get any better, that said Rosenthal saying it's interesting if they do want to go in a different direction, they have a ready-made option at triple A and Peraza. Do do they? You know? He came up last year and played sporadically and didn't do much of anything from the offensive end. He came up this year, didn't contribute offensively. Now he's back at AAA. he has been mashing for a week and a half. I don't exactly think that's a trusted option. It's not Jose Iglesias behind Volpe. It's another top prospect who has struggled in two short major league stints. So, Let's say you pull the plug. I don't want people like Ken Rosenthal bringing this up and making a national conversation. Let's say you pull the plug. What more does Volpe have to learn at AAA facing Journeyman? He's out of the spotlight now, so I guess he gets to play more relaxed, but that doesn't teach him how to play in the spotlight. The goal is not for him to eventually be a star at AAA. The goal is for him to be a star in the Bronx. They also gave him not just a role on the roster. They made him the starting shortstop. You take that away from him after two months, you risk losing him too. Then you call Braz up. He struggled. Let's say he struggled. Then you've lost him both. Let's say he's on fire. Then you have to go to Volpe and say, Remember when we made you the Yankee starting shortstop? That was a fun two months. Now you're the Yankee starting second baseman, but also not this year because Glaber Torres is there. So, Maybe next year. Hey, have you played third before? Like, there's a million cans of worms that open if you make this demotion a reality, which is why it's so weird to see Rosenthal just saying, hey, they got another option behind him. And, again, Volpe at Dodger Stadium basically won the third game of that series with his clutch home run. The Yankees
2: are 10 games over five hundred. I don't even think we need to be making panic moves right now. Not at all. Um, Look, we're in the clicks business, right? We know how it goes. Uh, I'm not going to – Unless it was the most egregious take of all time that had no business drawing in readers, um, I'm not going to criticize it. Was this a little bit far-fetched? Um, it, it's closer to far-fetched than it is than it is calculated. Um, to me, it's an outsider's take on what's happening with Anthony Volpe. Like we said previously, like if rival fans are looking at Anthony Volpe's stats. They're just going to his baseball reference page, and they're seeing, oh, my God, 190? Oh, my God, like, what OBP that low? What is going on? Like, this is the guy that everyone's telling us about? Like, what what are they doing over there? And that's fine. Like, that is – nobody can watch 162 games of every team. Nobody can track all these players and know exactly how they're doing. Um, I think you can trust Yankees fans because they're the least forgiving in Mm – arguably any sport Um, and the fact that Anthony Volpe has kind of lasted this long without fan outrage, I think says a lot. And you know, what's funny is I'll back Dylan Lawson for one second because I know what he was trying to say here. Yes. I know what he was trying to say, but you know, if you say that it's not going to be taken in the right context, especially once again, for people who are not following Anthony Volpe on a daily basis, we watch Anthony Volpe playing 50 plus games. We know that more often than not, he is putting forth Major League at-bats. Yes, he's had a few rough stretches. The, the No player is immune to that. Everybody's going through rough stretches. Everybody forgets how to see pitches. You go into these unforgivable slumps that you would have never even thought would have happened for, you know, wait, to, wait till Giancarlo Stanton's next slump. Yeah. His next extended two-week slump, it's going to be some of the worst swings and misses you'll ever see. You know how this goes. So um, I know where Lawson was coming from in saying that uh not the right thing to say though and for a national reporter i think maybe if you say that to maybe a beat a yankees beat writer that 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 would go over a little bit uh better um but in terms of the volpe peraza discussion i think it's it's just an outsider um conversation where it's just easier to pluck and be like oh man look at this guy triple a he's dominating yeah. why don't we bring him up you know this was the guy who was actually more far along than volpe once upon a time and the yankees went with volpe and now You look at the stats, and apparently it's not going well. Well, it's going fine. There have been some defensive miscues. There have also been a lot of amazing defensive plays. There have been a number of uh, maybe lethargic or irresponsible at-bats, and there's been a number of incredible at-bats. So like we said before, he's doing just enough to maintain his status with this team. He'll go through a frustrating stretch, and then he'll obliterate a fastball at Dodger Stadium on Sunday night baseball to give the team two very valuable insurance runs and they close out the series. Um, He'll make, he'll come in as a defensive replacement late in the game and he'll make a diving catch and turn a double play to force, you know, the Yankees to go into the bottom half of the inning and walk it off. Um, So he has, there is the it factor there. He, he certainly possesses instincts for the game. Um, He arrives in certain moments that most other players perhaps don't ever especially at this stage in their career, very young. Um, We've seen enough of Peraza at this point to know that doing a little switcheroo here is not going to really do any good for anybody, Um, especially if Anthony Volpe gets demoted back to AAA. It's a counterintuitive move. Um, We've seen this happen time and time again with various prospects that the Yankees decide to jerk around. Never works out. They – Put all their eggs in the Volpe basket by calling him up after, what, uh, 20 games at AAA, maybe even less than that. Mm -hmm. This is life for them right now. Unless Anthony Volpe was one of the most egregious players you've ever watched, there'd be no reason to send him down. He is not at that stage yet. Uh, We're not defending him because he's the golden boy. We are defending him because you don't see 21-year-old players making the plays that he does. Um, You do see 21-year-old players making some of the mistakes that he does, but like we said, he evens it out. He makes it worthwhile in the end, even though, you know, some of the stretches have been a little bit uh, difficult to watch, such as the fact that he stole his first base the other day for the first time since May 13th. That's something the Yankees probably need to fix too. Um, But once again, his first two months at the big league level, I would call them much more success than a failure. And there's no reason to go back on the promise that you had with him to start this season for somebody who, has had more time to prove him or, you know, more time initially to prove himself at the major league level and, and didn't really do that. Um, I, on, on the flip side, I will defend Peraza. He was debuted in the most discouraging way possible at that game in the trop last year where the Yankees were getting their asses kicked. Um, I don't think he got enough run in the postseason. If we're being honest, I thought he should have gotten more, especially with the way IKF was playing. But, um, he had a chance at the beginning of this year. There's a lot of injuries and he didn't get the job done in any capacity. And Anthony Volpe looked much better than him at the beginning of the year. So, um, easy, easy assumption to make if you're an outsider and you're looking at the stats, uh, more nuanced discussion to have, have, if you're watching these guys every single day. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that Peraza, I hope not because I like him a lot, could just be a really good triple a player. We've talked about it before. There's some. There are some guys that that's their fate, and it sucks. You know, it's the same. It's well, look at Floreal. Floreal continues to kick ass in AAA. You bring him up here, it looks like he's never swung a bat before. So um, you never know how these are going to pan out, but you have to stick with Volpe at this point, especially because he's gotten a lot of encouragement from his teammates. He's gotten a lot of rave reviews from his teammates, and he's come to play when the Yankees have needed him in more moments than a lot of other guys on this team have.
1: The the key point there is if Volpe was a disaster, then they would try to get him out of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. It's not beneficial unless he is in this all-time spiral, 0 for 30 with 15 Ks or whatever. Then sit him down for a couple days. If it doesn't help, then he probably does need to go to AAA to get his mind right. Yeah. But he's fresh off turning around that Caleb Ferguson fastball and, and expanding the lead to Dodger Stadium in the ninth. He's been better in the field as of late. He's getting the offense back in gear and, and nine homers, 26 RBI, nothing to spit at Corbin Carroll has 10 homers. Like the NL rookie of the year's power numbers are comparable to Volpe's the OPS, not even close, but again, like the counting stats have been fine. This is his first year. Um, and yeah, he is going to have a little more leash than some Yankees. Cause he is the golden boy. Like, fans are not on him that much. Fans are sort of nervously going, I kind of wish he was a little better. And like, yeah, I I do wish this were a little more linear, right? We all do. Um, The patience has been a sort of unsettling fact. He was was taking more walks when he first got up here. Now he's probably a little more desperate and is trying to account for the holes in his swing and the swings and misses. And he's chasing a little more. And that's a bummer. But he's also, he's a human. So like, it's also... It's easy to explain it away. It's not what? like, what the hell is going on with the walks? It's like, no, he'd like to hit. He wants to get that average up, and it's not up. So now he's changing his approach a little bit. It's only natural for him to do that.
0: Or and he where does, are my war yeah, people He's at? a golden boy.
1: Where
2: are yeah. my war people at? People live by this shit. He's got a one war in two months for a 21-year-old. That's considerable. Yeah. If you live by that stat. I don't necessarily live by that stat. Um, it obviously tells a good portion of the story. And I think if the people who love looking at, you know, the peripheral metrics and the advanced metrics uh, positive on both sides of the ball. So yeah. Yeah. Now all of a sudden we're concerned about batting average when, you know, last year, if you bring up batting average concerning one of the better players in the game, they laugh in your face. So I don't, I don't know. This is the, conversations always It's going to always change. If it's a Yankees player, we know that, but I mean, for, for, esteemed baseball insiders, I think, you know, we got to maybe be a little bit more uh, careful with these discussions.
1: Yeah, savant, not real unless it's real. Uh, Dalton Marshall finally got that OPS over 690. So good Wow. Um, good let's wrap it with a hater corner. I think a double hater corner just because um, you got to talk about the Blue Jays and the Red Sox a little bit because the Red Sox are coming into town. Yeah. Uh, Alec Manoa is uh, now at the below the single A level. Below it, he was demoted. Uh, we sort of thought, uh, after his latest stinker where he went a third of an inning, seven or runs against the Astros, MLB trade rumors ran that poll you loved where they were like, Should he be demoted, kept in the rotation, or whatever? And it was like, Demoted, demoted is an option. And then, like, an hour after we laughed at the option of demoted, the Jays were like, Actually, he's super demoted, he's demoted, borderline out of organized baseball. They're sending him to the Florida Coast League. Uh, to basically do instructional work with pitching coaches. It's like Roy Halliday had this happen to him in '98, where they said yeah. so they're like, they're like, you don't go to triple A, you don't go to double A, you go to school. We're demoting you to school. And so they've now sent Alec Manoa all the way down to the lower levels. But in Roy Halliday's case, it was wildness. Uh, it wasn't the pitch clock, which seems to have just neutered Alec Manoa entirely. The slider is remarkably ineffective now. Uh, Buck Martinez went through how he's not finishing his delivery. He's got some stuff to learn. Um, Or could it be that uh, he, not Garrett
2: Cole, is the biggest cheater in baseball history?
1: It's an interesting uh, quandary.
2: It is. Um, This is great, man. Um, You don't root for any player's demise. Um, But just how, you know, Alec Manoa debuted against the Yankees, absolutely kicked their ass. Immediately became a Garrett Cole agitator for I don't know what reason. Uh, challenged him to come out past the Audi sign that one year. Was it last year or the year before when he threw up an into judge or something? Um, and then in the offseason goes on. Who was Serge Ibaka's cooking show or something? Yeah, shit? of
1: course. Sir, Serge Ibaka's cooking
2: show. Yeah, well, the, you know, the it, famous yeah. cooking show from Serge Ibaka. It says yeah. Garrett Cole is the biggest cheater in the history of baseball. Obviously, you know, it's the troll aspect of it blue jays love to troll the yankees fine um then the blue jays come into this season slowly for me becoming the most annoying fans um yeah mlb.com came out with or mlb twitter i'm sorry came out with the top five leaders in the cy young race um and posted a graphic kevin gossman was not on it uh 15 seconds later within the tweet was sent um, the blue Jays account said, Oh, thank you for compiling a list for runners up for Kevin Gossman in the Cy Young race. And it's like, how about like, this is what your, your care. And then Kevin Gossman cried about not being, you know, not finishing in the top five of, um, of, uh, Cy Young, uh, finishers last year. I don't know. This team's just a bunch of cry babies. You go back to the, the cheating allegations with judge looking into the dugout, John Schneider not knowing the rules of when to take a pitcher out, which also happened with Manoa. Um, So it's just funny to see this kind of all happen after all the shit talking that we got in the offseason. And at the beginning of the year, Alec Manoa, wish him the best. But, yeah, demoted to the major league version of kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know – What's next for him? Because this is one of the worst regressions you'll ever see, and I don't. It's crazy. Some people are trying to blame it on the pitch clock because he had a well, lengthy delivery, and um, you know, and he's uh, he's he's big, Thomas. He's yeah, he's, and large. he's large, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that's part of the discourse. Odd, um, but I don't know how uh, we haven't seen one single pitcher this year drastically affected by the pitch clock. Um, and if I'm not entirely mistaken. Alec Manoa was in the minor leagues when they were experimenting with the pitch clock. So it's not the pitch clock. And if it is the pitch clock, then that is one of the bigger mind fucks you'll ever see in, you know, any sport. But yeah, this is funny. The Chris Bassett stuff from earlier this year was funny. The John Schneider stuff is eternally funny. I am sadly still laughing. Shouldn't be, but Don Mattingly on that bench, man, that is like, what the fuck, dude what the actual like? you're having fun over there you thought that was a good business decision for you i don't know um yankees captain love them to death but you know you go to a yankees rival who continuously tries to insert themselves into the rivalry discussion and it never ever goes well for them um and you knew when red sox fans were calling blue jays fans delusional for all the judge cheating stuff that's when you knew it came to a point where it's like all right guys like you, you gotta you really gotta clean this up and figure out what direction you're gonna go in because this is a bad look but yeah. Um, Alec Manoa, boom, roasted. Uh, what are we roasting the Red Sox for? Or do well, you want to say anything more on Manoa? So. No, I
1: just want to take it to the Red Sox. So look, Nestor Cortez today uh, in an article that came out today on, on Fox said about the Red Sox rivalry, it doesn't feel like what we have with Tampa now or with Toronto now. You could argue that the Red Sox haven't been who they really are the last couple of years. I don't like that because I know how the Red Sox are going to take that's going to get spread around the Internet. Nestor has a high four ZRA. He's on the IL. If and when the Red Sox win a game this weekend, they'll be like, weren't who you we, you thought we were, huh? And it's like, OK, yeah. And they'll they'll preen around because they love doing that. Um, it's their favorite thing to do. They love to be disrespected by facts and then to be like, oh, you shouldn't have said that fact. Now I'm angry. Uh, now I'll try harder. <laughs> Uh, they already, they already tried a players only meeting this past week and it failed. So maybe this will fail too. Uh, but obviously Nestor, not exactly the one to talk, even though that wasn't talking. Um, it's also kind of inaccurate 2021. The Red Sox were pretty good and had some good rivalry matchups maybe. with us and uh, took it to us a couple times. They annoyed anyway, me last year. They annoy me every year. They're going to annoy me this year. Tommy Pham walked us off last year, every single year, no matter how good the Red Sox are, they do annoying stuff to us. Alex Verdugo, owned us already, broke Clay Holmes last year. We all heard that. Um, I think it's important to note that the Red Sox uh, had the choice of anybody they could they could call up today to make a spot start. They needed an extra starter in uh, Cleveland. They had the pick of the litter. Uh, anybody from the 40-man, anybody all on down the system. They have plenty of Cutter Crawford pitch yesterday. They had a guy named Chris Murphy make his MLB debut yesterday. He's a top prospect. He was really good in relief. He could have started today, probably. Don't know why he didn't. Instead, they went with a guy named Matt Dermody, a 32-year-old borderline nobody who I'm sure will be winning today's game, but who I, I don't even think that you knew was in the Red Sox system because he he's really pretty much an irrelevant filler piece for their AAA team. Uh, he, It's Pride Month. This is uh, Pride Month, June, that people usually celebrate Pride. Oh, baby. Um, it's, it's a good month. Certainly a good month. Matt Dermody, who gets lucky enough to get to start today, two years ago, tweeted, quote, homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will go to hell. This is not my opinion, but the hashtag truth. Read 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Then he deleted it. In a follow-up, he wrote, I am not a homophobic. As I stated in my tweet, I have love for all. The truth is love. You did not state that in your tweet. You did not state that you have love for all. You, in fact, said homosexuals will go to hell. So, I think there is something deep and dirty and rotten in the Red Sox clubhouse. I think this one falls on Haim Bloom. Uh, he signed Dermody last year uh, and said, uh, This is Steve Buckley, a Red Sox columnist who writes for Athletic, who just also happens to be homosexual, but don't that should not color your opinion of the extremely valid processes he is bringing out here. Um, Bloom said he didn't know about the tweets until he signed him. Okay, that's a problem. You have to know about the tweets. Bloom said, I don't think of it as something where you can be satisfied or not with the outcome of, Derm- of meeting with Dermody and talking with him about his beliefs. The important thing to me in that conversation was he knew he made a mistake. He owned that mistake. Mm-hmm. He told me he realized he hurt people. Again, Hi- this is what Haim Bloom is doing. He is not. Bloom mis- is trending. He is not going to bat for a superstar here. He is not justifying the pursuit of our Marcelo Zuna or an enrolled Chapman. He is fleshing out his minor league system with people he believes are interchangeable parts. He is not looking up their beliefs, the way they act, anything about who they are as a person. And he's just signing interchangeable little robot pieces. And then when someone brings to light, like, hey, this guy has deeply offensive beliefs. And if you're filling out the back end of your minor league roster, maybe just do it with somebody else who isn't this guy. He's like, hmm, I never thought about that. I never heard about that at all actually didn't know the quotes existed didn't do any research in the future i'm sure i will no he won't uh he is a middle management pencil pusher and he is just always trying to get that if get that last little bit of efficiency juice and he thinks he did it with matt germody who again i'm sure will win tonight's uh game during pride month and i'm sure this will eventually get swept under the rug but i think high bloom deserves to have the spotlight put on him here uh this is completely embarrassing again the red sox could have brought up literally anybody else to, to pitch in this game and they went with somebody who doesn't deserve it. Oh, cancel culture. Thomas, unfortunately has gone amok. Uh, yeah, now, sure. now homophobes are no longer allowed to pitch during pride month. Homophobes with bad stuff and poor ERAs are no longer allowed to get major league opportunities during pride month. Uh, cancel culture probably finally crossed that last threshold.
2: Yeah, it's It's really out of hand. I wonder if Bloom um, did, uh, any, uh, uh, investigative research on Alex Cora before hiring him ahead of the 2021 season. It's just, you know, it's worth wondering.
1: I wonder if they'd gone to him and gone like, are you aware of Alex Cora's recent suspension for cheating is like, hmm, actually wasn't aware of that. I'll have to look into it. But Alex promised me that he, he did uh you know, he realized he hurt people. So.
2: Thank you. Thank you for that time. Um, the Red Sox. Uh, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not superstitious right now. I'm feeling pretty good. This team sucks. Um, their defense is among the worst in the league uh, at very important positions, uh, center field, shortstop, first base, third base. Uh, we Who do we run into this weekend? Uh, Bello, Hauk, and uh, Whitlock. Yeah, I think all so. All of whom have been bad. Um, Whitlock, since his transition to the rotation, It has not gone well whatsoever. If the Yankees can get a nice little revenge win against him, that would be nice. Um, Hauk, not good. Five point four six ERA, four point zero seven FIP. We never hit. We never hit him though. I know he's got a nasty slider, but you got to get the pitch count up. You got to get Hauk out after four or five.
1: Hope he walks people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, we're sending Cole Herman and Clark Schmidt, who's been improving lately, in this three game set. Bayo, the last two times we, I think we've only faced him twice. Look good at Fenway. That was one of the games where uh, – remember Cola, that inside-the-park Little League home run? Yeah. It happened a couple times against the Red Sox last year, and they just did it again last week. They love doing Little League home runs. That was one of those games. And then he pitched uh, one of the one of the night games in the four-game sweep where Judge was trying to go for 61 homers and couldn't get it done. But we won all of those games, and we won – I think we only scored one or two off Bayo, but it was enough. That's kind of what he's been doing lately, like four or five shutout and then imploding at the end of games. He just did it to the Rays. I think it was like mm. five shutout, and they gave up a three-earn in the sixth. I mean, he, he's the best pitcher they face in this trio, uh, just trying to get two out of three, and maybe
2: Matt Dermody comes back out of the bullpen. We get to show him a little what for. Yeah. couple of uh, – another uh, some more good pointers here, guys. Uh, Rafael Devers, uh, a 299 OBP and a .9 war. Anthony Volpe has a better war than Rafael Devers. Um, And our good friend who we love to watch because he's so much fun, Nick Pavetta, Nick Pavetta earlier in the season when he was having a tough stretch, a very bad stretch because he's not a great starting pitcher, uh, was asked by the Red Sox media um, if he felt the next couple outings that he had would be an audition for the starting rotation. um, And he gave one of the most arrogant answers you'll ever hear which somehow didn't make as big of headlines but thanks you guys for clicking the article after we did it that was one of our bigger articles of the month Um, has since been demoted to the bullpen for the past what six or seven games Uh, has not been succeeding there whatsoever either Um, so hopefully we run into him in the later innings and Giancarlo Stanton can just like hit a big style home run like off the scoreboard and like break something like hit the hit the Budweiser sign in center field and just it falls down no one gets hurt it just like falls down onto the field they have to like stop the game because I would love to see that I would love to see a Nick a meltdown on the mound
1: Anthony Volpe has a higher war than uh, Devers you said
2: yeah one to well, point nine
1: yeah that's interesting I, I wonder if the Red Sox would consider demoting Devers because they do have a ready-made replacement at AAA a in uh, Bobby Dahlbeck <laughs> Who's on fire? He has like ten home runs mm-hmm. his last fifteen games or whatever. Mm-hmm. You gotta wonder if, if yeah. that's on the table.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just once again just going through facts and stats. So, um, do I think Anthony Volpe is better than Rafael Devers? No, but Rafael Devers he, he's got a lot of RBIs this year. He's got fifty RBIs. I'll give him. I'll give him a lot of credit for that. But one hundred and seven OPS plus not good for supposed to be an MVP caliber player and OVPing under three hundred as that type of player as well, is fairly egregious. Um, That's only 30 points higher than Volpe.
1: Well, look, I am not a Red Sox phobic. Um, I have love in my heart for everybody, but I do think that Boston fans should maybe consider burning in hell. And we'll see them this weekend. (laughs) They're coming to New York where it smells kind of like hellfire. Um, And we'll uh, we'll see what's what. First Yankees-Red Sox matchup of the season. Second is next week. We're getting into it uh, late this year, but they're coming. Fast and lose fewer than ever because of the balanced schedule. Still kind of exciting, though. Ready for it. The Red Sox are a 500-ish club again, uh, struggling with the Guardians out there in Cleveland. Let's show them what's what. The pitching lines up pretty nicely for us. Hopefully, we can make a statement in this first series between the two teams this year. And you'll see us again on Monday, live right here on YouTube streaming, 2 o'clock Eastern. Hope you join us. Please give this channel a like, a subscribe. Don't forget the DraftKings promo, Yanks Go Yard, as long as you are in a legal betting state. Until next time, you can get the audio version as well on all podcast platforms. I am Adam Weiner, but you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you?
2: I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. YanksGoyard.com, the place to be for all your content. Go over there. We appreciate the support, getting a lot of views, a lot of fostering, a lot of great discussion. Keep it coming. Uh, Big shout-out to the Twins again. Uh, Fucking error. Well, first of all, uh, Bailey Ober using sticky stuff. Uh, Thank you, Rocco Baldelli. He was clean through three innings. He dominated through three innings, then had to wash his hands. Then immediately surrenders an RBI triple and a two-run homer. And then, of course, in the sixth inning, the Twins get sloppy on defense, give up a run with a throwing error um by the pitcher and now they're down four to two so if this game ends four to two it should be three to two if they could actually play defense they will have scored three runs in three games at the trop and got swept by the rays so again tell me how this is my problem when nobody wants to play the rays nobody wants to do anything against the rays i can't help you until then we'll talk to you on monday
1: I thought only the Yankees got special hand washing treatment before they were kicked out, Rocco Baldelli. You, Rocco, you specifically complained about that like a month ago, and now really? it's happened to you. Very interesting. Uh, somebody beat the Rays. Please, we'll go ahead and try to beat the White Sox and the Red Sox, and we'll see you on Monday. Bye, everybody.